Only the leagues. Only the Alliance leagues. Welcome to the Alliance Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer, Oshie McConville, and by the former Down footballer, Marty Clark. We're going to be looking at football across all four divisions, at promotion and relegation, at who's going to win the league, and we'll be hearing from Oshie, who's not long back from the holiday of a lifetime. Um, but Marty, there's only one place to start, and there's no way to sugarcoat this. Down are the only team in the National Football League to have been relegated before the final weekend of fixtures. How has this happened? Yeah, look, I suppose that the, the one thing, aside from the disappointment within Down, is no real complaints. Um, the, the, the fixtures don't really lie, the results don't lie, the table doesn't lie. And as you say, we're, we're still around the fixtures to go. We're back to Division 3. and it, it, it's, I suppose it's not unfamiliar territory. It, we've kind of been in that... Division two, lower end, and the top end of Division three for a number of seasons now. So it's not, I suppose, the end of the world. Um, if you're if you're trying to be optimistic, but certainly it's um, it's 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 a very difficult position to be in. Um, as a down person, are there are the footballers in down not good enough to be in Division two? Are there enough well, good footballers there? Well, I, I think that's clear. Um, it's clear that Division three is probably the the marker at the minute. Um, that's that's what the league is, I suppose. And um, there are good footballers in every county. Uh, it's, it's just are they maximising the, their ability? Are they training hard enough? Are they preparing well enough? Um, you'd have to say the other seven teams in Division Two have done it better than down um, so far this year. And we know how the well documented how it was a late start with James McCartney and Aidan Rourke coming in late, and that of course has an impact. The run Kilcoo had doesn't help either when when the best club team in Ireland you don't have access to those players for the vast majority of preparation for the league and then the games themselves um so, so there were things went against them but um to answer your question the reason why we're moving back down to division three is because players whatever way you dress it up is weren't good enough for division two and and just one last point on this are the best footballers in down in with the county team it's difficult to say it's probably been a problem for, for a long time now where, where some of the better players weren't committing. But I think outside of the Cuckoo contingent, um, most most of the best players are there this season. Um, Cuckoo are an extremely unique organisation. Um, you know, the pride they have in their badge, it's so difficult to bring that into the county setup for, for those, those particular players. Of course, we'd love to see probably all of the Brannigan brothers um, in a red and black jersey, but th those guys just... The appetite isn't there to, to, to do it for down, and, and there's a number of other Cuckoo players you'd love to see in. But I think overall, there's no real excuses. Um, there's maybe one or two players that, that, that weren't there, but I don't think there's, it's any different than any other county um, in any given year. And it's, it's, it's extremely disappointing, but you have to now look look forward and, and try and build towards the first round of the championship against Monaghan, which is not not that far away. Oshin, when you look across the border 
at Down. What, what what's your feelings when you see Down going back down to Division Three? Well, <clears throat> I was I went to school school in Newry in the nineties, and uh, we were t- well late eighties, nineties, and we were absolutely tortured by Down because. I suppose they had everything that we wanted to have. They were everything we wanted to be. Um, and the fall has been um, pretty steady. And there's been there's been peaks along the way where, you know, down looks as if they're on the way back. Um, but this is probably as low as I've seen them in quite a while. Um, I, I'm just not sure if... if, if like when I look at the the players that they have, still think they should be able to maintain Division Two status. I don't think they're they're anywhere near the top or looking for promotion. But I actually think they have enough to um to stay in that division. Um, I think the one thing that keeps popping up when I talk to down people is like the sheer turnover of players in the last five six years is absolutely incredible. There's no other words for it. It's in, it's incredible. 60, 70, 80, 90, maybe even 100 players over the last six or seven years have played football with Down. And there doesn't seem to be any any continuity with, with you know, what's going on from one um, management team to the next. Uh, I don't necessarily know if that's their fault or not. Um, but certainly, um, look at there. When I was growing up, down were our main rival, so like and and they had plenty of days in the sun. So sympathy from this end of the the uh, country is probably in short enough supply. But I do actually think it's sad. I do look it down, and I do think, do you know what I mean? Like for a great county, do you know that is absolutely steeped in football. Um, even the just the enthusiasm. I, th- I think when I watched the uh, league son the last night, it gave me give me a, a I suppose I, I looked at a there's a bit of an insight into how things are going in the county. Like Arma has been absolutely packed for every game that we've had, and I know that's only a small thing. But then you look at Kildare and you look at the exact same thing. I mean, no disrespect, but when Jack O'Connor was in last year, I mean. They weren't flooding through the, the turnstiles and the and the droves because I don't think it was something that they really could get behind or excited about. If I'm honest, uh, I think the fact that you know all those guys who've come in are, are homegrown, they're legends of the past, if you like, uh, and just purely the way they have gone about things and the way they play on the pitch, um, they may fall short, they may even get relegated, um, but certainly it, w- it doesn't seem to be for a lack of effort and. Sometimes when I look it down, I think, you know, how much of these, how much of those particular set of players given, and that may sound unfair in that, you know, the first thing we told we're training as hard as everybody else, and, and and all of those things, but there just doesn't seem to be that same enthusiasm there. I mean, like the crowds are very low, you know, in in Park Eslo when the, when they play at home, um, and I just think all of a combination of all of those things it probably is it's sad as much as it's as, as much as anything else because nobody will realize just how great these gays were in the past but the past seems like a very very long time when in relation to down football right now 
do you feel that Marty is there a burden of history there and is there is there a connection between the team and the supporters yeah look I think Oshin hit the nail on the head with with the two teams Kildare and Armagh Armagh in particular was at that game um last weekend uh where they beat um Kildare at home and the weather was horrendous but the the I always park in the Armagh City Hotel and walk down and get a feel for it and just to see the families and the, the excitement going into that league game and what, what Kieran McGinney's done and I know Kieran McKeever's in this year as well so they've obviously got Kieran Donaghy but two great Armagh players of the recent past and um, it, yeah it, the, the the excitement after the game even though it was lashing with kids on the field and that it's it, it's great for Armagh football exactly the same thing Kildare and then there is an apathy creeping in with town, you know. There's, it wasn't that much shock yesterday that they got relegated and we're back in Division Three now. You know, there's, it, it is, it, it's, it's one where you sort of scratch your head and and wonder and, but those days of success are, are so far away now and you probably need to start look at building from the ground up with, I think a training base. I know it's it's been mentioned in, in Valley Kilner now for a number of years, but this this have a training base. Somewhere to train, you know, we're with the under 20s at the minute. Um, Saf and Connor Laverty, we were getting messages at trainings somewhere the, the night before, and these things might be small. So, you don't have your training the down under 20s, and you you don't have a set training base. No, we, we have no base, no, we're relying on the clubs to help us out. Places like Bally Martin have been brilliant to us, but you know, it's 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 difficult when you've kids coming from all over down, and this is at all levels, um, you know, under seven things, and I think that's part of the wider thing. I know we, we played Tyrone under 20s in a league game about two weeks ago, three weeks ago up in Garvahi, and it was a beautiful morning, Saturday morning, and Tyrone seniors were training in one of the fields, and the under 20s from Tyrone were watching those guys play all Ireland winners, uh, and then they, they came out and played in their own base, and I was so envious, and actually felt a little bit for our lads um, who, who were up and down the country, and where are we training, and when are we training, and, um, I, look, I understand that resources and things like that are different within each county, but I just feel that um, that kind of thing where maybe you, you did marry, had those legends in 94, 91 and the 60s up on the walls in a base, and it is Valley Kilner then, let, let's move forward with that. I do think those things are important because the young lads playing now, 18, 19, they don't know any down players that have won All-Irelands. Um, it, it's potentially their fathers and long before that and, and that's I suppose it's difficult and we've been in this situation now for a number of years where we're division three you know you're division two division three I know in 2010 2011 there was division one and the big crowds were in your Oshin you, you would know that the games against Armagh at home and um the big teams coming down Kerry I remember playing in Park Esser they were brilliant but it wasn't sustained because it was just a good crop of players that came through and Games had a really good management team in with them at that period, but there wasn't going to be this sustained success that um, allowed you to build a platform. You just came and went. That particular team broke up for a number of reasons. So these are small things behind the scene that I really do feel that a base, a training base, and a, a place where all teams can come together and train and prepare and sort of remember the past but prepare for the future. That's crucial. It's the number one. It's kind of stunning, isn't it? Isn't it? When you think about it, it was 2010. Cork down in that All-Ireland football final, filled out Croke Park. I know there were neutrals there as well. It was a huge amount of people. When you looked at the photos and the footage of Parky Cueve yesterday, 
it was an absolutely incredibly small crowd. Like that's a little more than a decade ago. And like all the momentum, all all the connection, all the energy around that just is gone. Yeah, exactly. Um, as Austin said, there was an element of sadness um, watching that. Um, I didn't make it down to court yesterday because we had, we had training with the under 20s. But I suppose to go back to the Tarona um, example and other that that facility in Garvahi, as impressive as it is, there's, there's plenty of them around Ireland. That was probably born out of the success in 2003, 2005, you know, when when they were winning all Ireland and the future was there and it was built by the people behind the scenes. And that's allowed them, at underage level, Tarona are always competitive. They're always, you know, adding to their senior squad. And um, I know they're probably not having the best 2022 so far, but they're all Ireland champions and um, worse. Of course, that, that, that that's a massive contribution behind it. But as you say, the, the, the appetite for football in, in the county like down at the minute, um, it's it's just not there, unfortunately. You can, I think, you can sort of gauge it, Paul, by the level of anger um, after a team is relegated. And I don't even think that that was there, and that gives you an idea of you know Marty mentioned apathy. There's a resignation almost. Yeah, the apathy, and and look at you know. You look at two teams yesterday who were played in 2010. Look at that, that's that's quite some time ago, but uh, in an All Ireland final. But you look at Cork as well, and you look at you look at down, and you look, you know, how far things have fallen. And it is there's not I think the, there's nothing else can be said for it only that it is very very sad. I I went uh, I went yesterday to watch Tullamore or to Tullamore to watch um, Offaly Roscommon, and again there was a really small Offaly crowd there. I thought it's no coincidence that these three teams are at the bottom of Division Two. I was really surprised at the Offaly crowd, though. Like, there were more people. It felt maybe it's just because Roscommon played so well, they sounded louder. But there were seemed to me to be a lot more people from Roscommon there than there were um, from from Offaly. And it's 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 quite striking when a team has momentum, how it kind of feeds on everything and pulls everything in, and generating momentum as you're being relegated is really difficult. And there's a game in Tullamore next Sunday between Cork and Offaly. And that is now, it's a massive game for, for, for both counties. It's winner takes all. If it's a draw, Cork stay up. But if it's, if it's, 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 if whoever loses that game goes to division three and that, and people keep referencing, not, they're not then able to compete in the Sam Maguire Cup or they'll have to go to the Talton Cup. That is so irrelevant, I think, in compare, compared to the, the importance of staying in Division 2. And I, I don't think, I think if you look at that game and, and what might happen in that game, you couldn't make a case for either team winning it. You just could not, with any confidence, suggest that either team is is likely to win that game. It's a, a classic on the day, and that is a kind of a brutal way to be finishing a league campaign. It is, Paul. Would would you like that? Surprises me as well. The the awfully thing surprised me in the level of uh, of support, because like awfully have gone to Division Four. They've been mainly a Division Three team. Would it be right in saying that? Yeah, they have been. Yeah, most of the yeah, time and, since two thousand and six. I think you know you watch how the the hurling has fallen away and how it's you know picking itself up and 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 trying to get back up the uh, up up the rung a little bit. And you look at Offaly now, and, and you feel as if next week is such an important game. As you say, not just Talchon Cup stuff, but important as far as development. I mean, like, obviously, Offaly have 
good players coming through from that under-20 squad. They're going to take a little bit of time to bet in. Uh, they have a few more coming along as well that probably haven't even been tested yet. Um, but the importance of going into something that is going in, the, in a proper direction. But from afar, you would you would think that, that everything is in place for Offaly to improve. Marty talked about centre of excellence. I mean, I was at, we were at the Faithful Fields yesterday, um, and like you know, just to have that that setup, like it it's uh, it's a proper setup, and you would expect that there would be a bit more of a renewed enthusiasm about what was going what's going on in Offaly, but. Uh, you're right. It's it's difficult whenever results aren't really going well. Whenever they feel as if you're not playing great football, but uh, on the face of it, you would think that you know next week is as important a game as awfully have played in many's year. And you 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 spent the weekend in Tullamore, is that right? We were down with under twenties in Tullamore. Yeah, we uh, went down on Saturday, and we came home yesterday. Were you impressed with the town? What a what a beautiful place, yeah. Beautiful people. Um <clears throat> we got a great welcome. We were well looked after, spoiled, really. And uh we got beat as well. So <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. I just I was trying to leave the space there for you to say that. We got beat as well, so it wasn't a full red carpet job, but uh but near enough. I want to finish with division two. By, by by noting the fact that Mead went and won in Ennis against Clare and have, to, to their absolute credit, have turned it around over the last few matches, safe now in, in Division 2 and beginning to generate a bit of momentum. But the most extraordinary game in Division 2 yesterday has to have been Galway and Derry, where it, it, I thought Galway would win going up to Derry. I did think they would win. I'd seen both teams earlier in the year and I thought Galway were better than them, but, the, the, but they obliterated. Derry and it was it was a game over by by half time. But for Galway to go up to Derry and win four eleven to twelve points, Oshin is is quite a stunning result. A stunning result and stunning in the way they did done it as well. Um Derry notoriously don't give away goals. Um and uh they look wide open and probably should have conceded if we're honest about it, should have conceded at least another two, if not three goals um in that game. The, the astounding thing for me and uh, Marty would definitely be able to comment on this, but the area between the two lanes, between the between the half back lane and the and the full back lane, I mean, there was nothing. You know, there was there was nothing there. I mean, the tackling, you know, the the contact even. Uh, Derry started, you know, with contact when it was too late. But uh, I'd say if there's anything that could enrage, um. Dairy folk or even the dairy management setup would be the way that that they play between the two lanes. Yes, that I thought they were really, really poor. And as I say, uh, I think Galway had probably eight goal chances and only took four. So uh, could have been, it could have even been worse. Uh, I didn't see that coming, to be honest. I agree with you. I, you know, I think Galway have been impressive, but I still thought that going up there they did leak. Did leak a lot of scores. Um, Derry had one goal chance, um, but I just think when you look at at Derry and you look at the progress they've made, you know the, the the thing the thing for them now is that can they push can they push through? Is there another you know is there another push in them? Obviously McGuigan missing was was huge, but 
Like he he wouldn't be you couldn't hold him responsible. Him being missing responsible for conceding four goals and the amount of goal chances that they conceded, I thought they were really poor defensively. Also, really poor. How do you look at Derry and Marty when you when, how how would you assess them? I think overall this season they've, they've been very very good. Sometimes you see it in the national league where there's a there's a, a result that sort of makes you go wow that that, that was impressive. I have been so impressed with Galway. I feel. Probably one of the more significant factors was Derry having to play against a significant reason Owen Begg in the first half. And if you watch the goals in particular, Brendan um, Rogers was coming out of the ball into a stiff freeze and in the solo he, he, he loses a bit of great pressure from the goalie forward and that allows the goal from Kearney and then the, another goal from the kick out into the breeze trying to force it. So I do feel that while there is probably 11 or 12 points in the game in the end, I feel that Probably just one of those games where those mistakes at crucial times and the margin blows out to a massive um, one. I don't feel there's that much between those two teams, and I wouldn't be willing to, you know, write Derry off just yet. It's the easiest week Rory Gallagher will have for his players to show them as us. There's no, you know, contact and defence. I think they'll go to lead and win and, and lead themselves right up in the promotion shake. That's the sort of um, people that they are up there, starting with Rory Gallagher. That I suppose there's, the only thing is now they've left themselves susceptible to Galway, you know, maybe not going full out next week. And True. Probably missing out, you know, on uh, effectively on, on promotion. But maybe Galway will feel as if, you know, they have built up some, some sort of momentum and obviously they'll need it going into championship. But uh, that's still a little bit off and it's still, regardless, we'll have a league final to play for. So, uh Derry can only go and do their job next week. I, I agree with Marty. I think they'll they'll beat me. But um definitely definitely as much as they have been impressive. Uh I thought they weren't I didn't feel as if they were as exceptional against Roscommon um in a game that they they could and should have probably won. Um so there is there's a few worries there and and uh and, and probably I felt as if there was three of probably three or four of the players that they played yesterday that were exposed to a level of football that maybe they hadn't been in the past. So look at there's still some of these guys are still very, very young, they're not long out of minor, so uh that exposure will do them absolutely no harm. But you know, it's 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 a it was a tough learning curve yesterday. Yeah, I think on top of that, just the last one on Derry, it, there was a clear split in Division 2 this year. There was a top half and a bottom half, and Derry played all the bottom half teams initially and you know dismantled most of them. And then I suppose the concern would be the last two games against Roscommon and Galway. They have found it going quite tough. Is that a trend? Obviously, McGuigan was missing, but that was cancelled out by Shane Walsh being missing. He's equally as significant a player for Galway as McGuigan is for, for Derry. So... Um, it, it suppose this needs game becomes very important for them. Um, I, I still feel Galway under Joyce still go and want to win that game against Roscommon. Sometimes when there's no pressure on the game, Roscommon have everything to play for. Um, those results can happen. We saw Mayo come down to Throne and you know almost beat them with a the number of men out. As usual, the National League, right down to the wire in every division. Yeah, that game next weekend, Galway, Galway, Roscommon. I thought, I thought Roscommon, Roscommon had a player sent off after 15 minutes against Offaly yesterday. Now they were already maybe four points up at that stage, and they just totally dominated. In the first half, Roscommon had 14 shots, 
and they scored 112 and the other ball just dropped under the crossbar and was caught by the goalie. They were absolutely brilliant in the forwards in, in the first half, but they're really well coached. And on Wednesday nights, um, I've been out around the National Aquatic Centre out in Abbottstown walking and there, Roscommon have been training there on, on, on Wednesday nights and just watching them play it's it's it was it's all football based that that session that they were doing all in the field, and last autumn they were in the field as well. And it's football, football, football. They're really good. They're really well organised, really really skillful footballers up the field. And I think that gives them a great chance. I think that could be the match of the weekend. And I agree with you. I think Galway will go for it against Roscommon. They'll want to beat. They'll want to beat Roscommon. Um, and and that will leave the door open for Derry O'Sheen. Um, if 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 that happens, and I do think Derry would beat me, though I don't take that as a given. Do you think? Do you think uh, Roscommon have hugely benefited from that continuity when there was a, you know, there was a bit of few Mormons that maybe Anthony Cunningham's team was up and and they continued on with it. Like I think the continuity thing, going going back to Cork and going back to Down, you know, and the turnover of managers and you know, I think Roscommon seem to have benefited, and I know. Sometimes when a manager stays around, you know, the disgruntled players, the players who aren't getting, who aren't getting used, but they seem to have been able to power through that. I, I do think that Roscommon have a level, uh, and the one or two top, top, top forwards, short of being, and probably a midfielder, if I'm, if I'm honest. Uh, yeah, they got, the the midfield was good yesterday. Yeah, um, and they've they've got a couple it's of brilliant get, young it's forwards. It's when they get to the, it's when they get to yeah. the one that that's. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, the continuity has helped them. Like, and and Roscommon, Roscommon have the ability to take anybody out, but uh, the continuity has helped them. But I just think that seems to be just a ceiling for them, and they don't seem to be able to go above that. Their under twenty team from last year is really good. They've got they. I I think it's not just continuity. I think they're producing really good footballers, and you can see it around colleges football, like Dara Craig. On the twenty team, brilliant footballer Ben O'Carroll, uh, Carl Hinton coming through. These were really, really good footballers. Who what do you call the Roscommon fullback from last year's under twenties? I can't remember. I was trying to write his name down there, and I can't remember. Um, I should, I, I should know this because they beat us in the All Ireland semi final, and Gavin, that Roscommon team knocked down out. Um, yeah, look, Roscommon, even at that level, they, they play a great brand of football. Yeah, really, really good. They're really enjoyable good. to watch. That um, midfielder. Um, Eddie Nolan, oh, yeah. yeah, he was magnificent against Down. I know most good players weren't brilliant against Down and, ha- and have been, but Enda Smith as well, just a Rolls Royce. Um, Enda Smith was Penny. magnificent yesterday, he was absolutely magnificent yesterday, yeah. Right, and just I noticed, um, more than any other team in Division Two that, that I've watched, their ability to get wide and, and to get the attack, they seem to have a real understanding of when to implement. What Anthony Cunningham and the backroom team have asked them. Whereas sometimes you can spend all the time you want coaching something, but the players don't recognise the moment in a game to implement that. But Russ Common were just magnificent um, against Down at getting into position. They scored 118, could have been much, much more that night in Yuri. And um, really, I suppose they need to be up in Division One if they are going to go to the to the next level. I know themselves in Galway are in the box seat to go back to Division One where they've come from. Um, but but they need to try and stay in there if they're to you know the that last four all Can I ask you about that? Um, I've been watching some of your your coaching videos on on YouTube, and they're they're like I I, I recommend them to anybody who's involved in coaching coaching any team through this. Do, do you like coaching? 
Yep, absolutely. <laughs> did you know? Did you know all the way that you were going to be a coach? Did you do this in the back of your head? No, not not really. I suppose um, I suppose it's just something that I, I I enjoyed as a player. I enjoyed that sort of tactical side of the game, particularly in Australian rules, where almost every phase of the play you have a role to play. Um, obviously, when the game when the ball's in dispute, they call it in Australia. So there's three phases. You, we have the ball, they have the ball, and the ball's in dispute, so that's a break ball or a loose ball or a spilled ball. Then you just have to go in and, and be brave and try and win it. But in the other two phases, um, I'm always trying to think as a player, one or two passes ahead, I might get on the end of this, or defensively, um, where can I run here to, to block off a receiver or whatever. But certainly then when I finished playing, um, you know, I, it was a, an element that I always thought I, I would like to go into, and I'm still trying to surround myself with with really good you know coaches and, and reading as much as I can and being in other sports and you know at the minute I'm working with Connor Laverty with the down under twenties who's absolutely brilliant and um, Stephen Culture with, with Mayor Bridge so some really good you know the best coaches in down and you're sort of always working that way. When you look at the way Australian rules when you when you went over there two different stints tactically how how far was it ahead of of Gaelic football? That was probably the biggest thing, Paul. The the biggest um, at the time we have to remember I was over in two thousand and seven. So at the time, it was the biggest difference between Gaelic football and and you know Australian rules. Athletically, the players, you know, the training's quite similar. Um, game day, the preparation, things like this, but. The, the tactical analysis and the planning that went into to your own play, your training. There's not a lot of drills or small side of games in the trainings in, in Australian rules. It's all around those two phases in particular. Then we have the ball. You literally just go out and move the ball how you want to move it. If it starts in the back half, an interception, where you have to go, where you have to run, what way. Is it all pre-planned go. moves? Is is a huge uh, number of pre- patterns that are that are walked through? They're suggested. They're certainly suggested. Um, for example, a really simple one was if the, if the opposition kick it long, coming into your defence and, and win it and turn it over. The, the rule of thumb was if it comes in one way, we always exit the other way because that's the open side of the ground, and often you you get out that way. So there's rules of thumb. Of course, there's still creativity and, and moments of chaos where you have to make it up as you go. But certainly that that element of it because. With the rule around the tackle, there's around 100 stoppages in a game where the umpire calls the ball and throws it up. So in any given stoppage scenario, depending on your position, you're either squeezing up or you're man-marking or you're trying to get ahead of the play. So you're always thinking, um, and I suppose that's probably what's cost some of the Irish boys um, getting games at that inability to, I suppose, have their heads screwed on and understand that tactical side of the game. But it was something that I enjoyed. And I understood in AFL I was never going to be a star player. I was never going to be a, a David Clifford. So I had to accept that and, and play whatever role I could. And I enjoyed that side of it. You know, and often it was a defensive side to my game. So something that I, I didn't do a lot of um, in Gaelic, actually, although as well, um, that side of it. But no, absolutely. It, it, it's, it's, it's something that in coaching, although in saying that, particularly working with young players with the down under 20s, for example, last year, one of my main philosophies um, as a coach is to allow what sort of team do you have and how what's the strength of that team. So last year, myself and Connor with the under twenties, um, 
we knew we had serious lower lower body leg speed leg power and we had skilled players so we just wanted to open up the forward half of the ground and let those guys basically sprint into it and and, and let their speed and skill do the talking and so we scored 218 in the ulster quarter final 315 in the ulster final and it's rewarding to be able to to, to see players do that and to play to their strengths and of course if, if you're coming up against an opposition that's better than you depending on what team you have that's then when you have to become a little bit shrewder as a coach but certainly if you're involved with a team like that on the 20s last year it was a sort of a joy to be just allow them to go and, and express themselves and when you came back in to to down after your first stint over there were you going back into the management saying listen in australian rules this is what why don't you do this or would you look at that were you were you that type of player no, I certainly wasn't. Um, there was elements of my preparation and, and training um, that I would have tried to lead by example, um, you know, in terms of if it was just a simple drill, I would always sprint through the cone rather than just, you know, make the pass or whatever it was and drift through, try and use my voice to encourage and instruct, which was something that the Aussies were massive on um, at, all, at all times. But certainly wasn't going to be coming in and telling managers as a player that, that oh, this is what I believe should happen because the two codes are so different in many ways. There are similarities in, in patterns, but um, I feel that as a player, I, you just have to focus on that side of it. And and that defensive structure in Australian rules, can you see parallels with what has happened in patterns of defending here that were previously revealed in Australian rules football? I do feel so. Um, I think it's more coincidence sometimes that the trends of the game sometimes overlap. But there was a period around 2009, 2008-2009 in, in the AFL where what they called the flood defence, where if you didn't have the ball, everyone came back. We obviously saw a lot of that um, in Gaelic football then, maybe 2012, 2013, 2014, we're evolving from that now. But within the AFL, there, that that evolved because teams started working it out exactly the same way as in GAA. Now, if you're going to put 15 men behind the ball against a good team, you're not going to win that game, whereas previously you could. So I suppose where AFL is now is it's a game of territory and where, where you move the ball forward at all costs. And a lot of the best tacklers and pressure players within a team are in the forward half of the ground rather than in the defensive half. So it's all about keeping the ball in your you're attacking half of the ground and um, I suppose it's a different game with the way you're allowed to tackle more of the rugby style and that but I suppose when you see particularly Kerry last year with the, the press they had in the kickouts and if, if, if Gaelic football started moving towards really trying to keep the ball in a full squeeze all the time and often you see in Aussie rules still there's, there's lads, there's opposition once they get through that initial press they're running into an open goal um, but teams are happy to wear that because they believe the best form of defence is always come forward at the ball and win it back um, in your attacking half. But it, it is interesting. Um, but of course, you, you, you can't get too fixated with, with trying to convert it. Sometimes there's nice little tips and, um, that you can try and try and use. But overall, it's, uh, it's, it is enjoyable side of it. If you take the logic of that argument or that approach, then do you do you I agree with the idea of a goalkeeper pushing out into midfield to squeeze the opposition kickouts. Like, would you would you be on for almost, we'll say, thirteen of the team being up there? Oh, absolutely. Um, I know when when I watched Gaelic football when I was in Australia with my 
Australian teammates, you know, you might watch an All-Ireland semi-final and they'd be around watching it and they just always ask, does the goalie, does he have to stay there? Because remember, this is maybe 2012, 2013, when a goalkeeper really just picked it out. Just stayed there, yeah. His nets. And like, I always thought of that and said, he doesn't have to, but he, but, but he does. You know, I can see Oshing and picture Paul Hardy coming out the field um, back when they were playing, but um, it, it wouldn't have happened. But certainly, I think it's, it's it's something that's evolved in the game. And when you see Niall Morgan and, and Rory Began, if you have a keeper of that ability who has a brain, number one, and then has the ability and composure to contribute when it's times right, but not every time. It just has to be, can he block a space? Can I intercept this ball at midfield rather than on my goal line? Because if you win it back higher up the field, it's harder for the opposition to score and it's easier for you to build a platform. So... Certainly, I feel that the goalkeeper evolution is, is here to stay, but my fear would be teams are going to try it with keepers that just don't have the ability or the brain to do it. Yeah, either athletically or skills-wise, they, they, they're they they're ending up being caught. Oshin, um, Marty mentioned Rory Began there, and Rory Began is obviously the guy who's he's been fundamental to this revolution in, 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 in how goalkeepers are being used, but Monaghan are now bottom of Division 1, Apart from Dublin and Kerry, they're the longest serving county in that division. The only county who has consistently been in Division 1. There's 60,000 people more or less live in Monaghan. They're the only county consistently there with a population of lower than 130,000. It's an incredible achievement what they've done and they look in an awful lot of trouble now. They do look look in trouble, but it's not beyond them. You know, they they have... They have a, a massive result in them, um, but I thought yesterday, uh, the concession, the concession of the twenty-four points, and the manner of the concession, and yeah. how early they probably looked out of the game as well, um, uh, how easily they they give up uh, possession just in that middle third. Um, I think the pro- I think Kildare probably got seven of the first half points just purely f- from that how easily they coughed it up they're usually very good at minding the ball um you know that that thing of taking it into contact the thing that that drives you insane um as a as a coach or a manager um when there's absolutely no need for it um they turn the ball over just way too much and i thought kildare looked really sharp up front um, but a result is not beyond Monaghan, definitely 100% not. But uh, I'd be wor- I'd be worried for Monaghan in that if they end up going down, you know, are they a team that's gonna you know immediately bounce back up? You look at the teams that will be in Division Two next year, and you think, you know, they obviously have a great chance, but it just it's not a given though. No, but it, it's it's good habits. They're in a they're in a really good habit of playing Division One football, and I think that has helped the progression of the young lads that have come in for two reasons. Uh, first of all, it's exposure to to playing against top level teams, and uh, well, you've got the crowds and you've got the exposure as far as you know the media and all that sort of thing is concerned. But also, um, for me, is the level that they need to be at. They get a you get a. a you just get a reality check about, you know, I'm going really well. I've been a top player in under under twenties, or you know, I'm a top club player in the county. 
and all of a sudden you get exposure to Division One football and you think, hmm, still have maybe a little bit of a road to travel and maybe it takes a year or so, but I think the best environment to do that is in Division One, and I think Monaghan have really, really benefited from that in a, in a massive way, as much as anybody, I think. Um, and probably should have picked up a few more prizes along the way. I mean, like, they probably should have won the Ulster title last year, so... Monaghan are not just as far away. They just don't seem to be motoring in the same way as they were. And and he has introduced uh, a number of young players, and and uh, and they have done well at different times, but seem to get exposed at different times as well. So it's still a massive learning curve for them, um, for them young lads. But uh, I wouldn't write them off completely against the Dubs. I look at Division One and. There are five teams who can still be relegated. Mm. Kerry are into the league final. They'll play either Mayo or Armagh in that final, both of whom are safe for relegation regardless of what happens. But Kildare, Donegal, Tyrone, Dublin and Monaghan can all be relegated. It's it's quite extraordinary that they're, that it should be go down to the last game like this. Dublin, Monaghan, whoever wins is not still not guaranteed to be safe provided, but they most likely will be. If 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 they manage it, but that's a that's a that's a big game for Dublin, and Oshin they're beginning to answer the questions. They were much better again on Saturday. They were beginning to answer the questions that we asked of them um, a month ago. The one thing that they're starting to do, Paul, is they're starting to create loads and loads of chances now. And and okay, like they're still not maybe just as sharp as what as what they will need to be, you know, down the lane. But uh, they're creating a lot more chances and uh, a lot of the a lot of those guys who maybe were floundering a little bit a number of weeks ago are starting to find a bit of a bit of form a bit of rhythm um and uh the the young not the young lads but the, the newer lads don't look as at sea as as probably they were and they're benefiting from the fact and and look at couple of players coming back like the cooper thing you know we've seen marching coming on mccarthy uh howard looks looks a player again um obviously you've got fenton kenny who was actually very well marked yesterday um but yeah dean rock seems to be taking again um so there's there's uh there's the one thing that i think is that they just they just they just they've just raised the, the level a little bit i picked out their speed of transition um the previous week against uh against their own that's that's still there and that really caused Donegal a lot of issues. You know, I think they were one four to two points down, and you're thinking, you know, uh, you know, this is another real te- another real test for them. And like within the space of three or four minutes, they were they were back to, you know, to almost almost level par. So the thing about uh, the thing also about Dublin is that um, it seems to be a bit more of a comfort in the way that they're playing. Um, a bit more organisation about it, uh, and they're working harder too around the middle, much harder. Yeah, much much harder, and like they had to win a lot of kickouts yesterday because Donegal put on that press, and and uh, and Dublin just decided we're just going to kick over it, and when they started to kick over it, they started to win the majority of them, and then they were able to pick up the stuff a little bit closer to their own, to their own goal. So, um. And build it out from there. And they were, I thought they were very good at mining the ball yesterday. You know, when I was talking about Mon and how poor they were at it, I thought uh, Dublin were, were backed it up 
third best in that regard. But they they still have a bit of a way to talk. I think they can get sharper. I think you know some of those chances that they're missing up front, you know, are glaring opportunities that won't be missed down the lane or, or can't be missed down the lane. But they will, they will, they'll have a battle on their hands this weekend. Oshin, we've been doing this for more or less three years. This is the third season of doing this this uh, this podcast, and I keep notes of all the shows. It's kind of um, it's 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 a it's a, it's, it's I accept sad, that really. there's something yes yeah, something sad and nerdy about that, but it's a fact. And in the very first show, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the very first show, Oshin, you um, you um, you talked about how good you thought Donegal were, and I went back through the list of shows when we mentioned Donegal and you you constantly reference how good their footballers are. And and I understand why, by the way. I'm not this isn't I'm not jiving at you when I say this, but like repeatedly, repeatedly you mentioned this. And it is true that the last decade is the most successful decade in the history of Donegal football in terms of winning in all Ireland and winning Ulster Championships and competing in finals. So it is their 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 greatest decade. But in the last three years. For all the footballers that they have, they look stuck. Yeah, I just I I, <clears throat> I I never I never look at Donegal and think there's a there's a real definitive way in which they're going to attack this game. Um, I think they they seem to be caught. I don't think I think they want to they want to move along. I think they want to you know uh, I think they basically want to get the matchups right at the back. They're very much into that. Um, I think they want to play uh, a kick and stale a game, but I don't think that they have. They don't seem to have the players to do that. Um, I think there's a there's a real again. Do you know when I talk about turnover of players? The, the you never really know uh, what selection Donegal are going to have, and, and and the most important part for me is that that all seems to revolve around the middle eight. Is that there's a constant two, three, sometimes even four players that might be different from one game to the next. Um, and you, you, did you say stuck? Yeah, I think that's that's probably a good way to describe it. They're probably stuck in that um, they're caught between two stools. They're not 100% sure uh, what way they should be. Identity is an issue for them. I don't think yeah. that, you know, we you, you knew what you were getting with Donegal um six or seven maybe even eight years ago now i'm just not so sure and i think that's affecting them as a team as well um i think if patrick mcbrady doesn't score one seven one eight on any given day they look as if they're going to be in trouble I, the reason why but the re, going back to the reason why i championed them for four or five years and that's a heavy enough um burden yeah, for anybody to carry, but um, the reason why was because I had seen I'd seen the minor teams, I'd seen the twenties, and and I'd seen the fact that you know there's a load of players all coming through, um, and like when you consider the squad that they already had, they didn't really need to do wonders just to keep at the at the at the top level, um, like I went to the Tyrone game and how to beat Tyrone, I just don't know. And when I was thinking back on it, it's purely and simply because they do. They have quality players, but I still think they should be getting a lot more out of the players that they have. Marty, I I also think that Mayo are a little bit stuck. 
Uh, now, there are people who fundamentally disagree with this, who think it's been a really good league for Mayo that they've pushed through. They've used a whole lot of different players. But the reason why I think they're stuck is to do with their forwards. Again, against Tyrone on Saturday night, still stuck in around 10 points. And what, nine points was it on 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 Saturday night? I didn't, could not see the progression from last year's All-Ireland final. Cannot see how they go about splitting tight defences. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with Mayo. They were it was ten nine in the fifty seventh minute. I think it was for them with a difficult, but certainly an assist. That the wind was giving them a great assist, and you just would have expected a team that were ten nine had all the momentum just to go ahead and flip over a few points and, and, and win the game. But every single attack, they either ran it into trouble. Um, obviously, Toronto are a very good team. Defending the running ball, but then they tried to kick the ball and it was not short. They were trying out rage of shots um, instead of working it to, to the man in better position. Yeah, I, I, I felt exactly the same thing where I felt, well, where are these, where's this four coming from? And by the time it got to the 65th minute and it was still 10 9, you just knew that some were going to go up four points, see it out, and that's, and that's what I. Would you like to get that group? Would you like to get that group and coach them in terms of attacking? Look, I, I'm I'm at the very start of my coaching career. I certainly wouldn't be questioning what's going on out there and, and a team that got to the All Ireland final at the top of Division One. Um, of course, it's easy to, to sit at home and say what what would you like to do and um, certain patterns you'd like to run and guys you'd like to move. But um, I, I, I wouldn't want to go out there and say that I could do a job with, with those forward legs. Would you like to have the machine? Well, how many teams? You know, like if you sit down and 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 saw the videos, like you know, how many times would would do you think would Mayo have gone through something similar as far as um what happened the other night? I mean, like it was like you were watching it through your hands, like you know what I mean, like that. You know, every time they come off the field, like just uh, and I wouldn't mind some of those their more experienced players. I mean, Kevin McLaughlin gave away four balls. And yeah, I was, gonna say, I was gonna say four balls in a row. I don't think it was in a row. I think somebody else gave one in, away in between. But um, you know, you talk about their most experienced players. We just need a level head. Um, they they spent a lot of time attacking down the one the one side. There was an opportunity to switch to play loads of times, and that you know that wasn't taken. And it was very frustrating to watch. <clears throat> I think would I, would you like to get them? Of course you would, because you always think you can do a better job than the person that's next. But believe me, the person who's looking after, you know, Mayo and coaching Mayo and and uh, and trawling through the, the video stuff. I mean, there's enough video evidence on on uh, in that little snippet there to you know to keep to keep you going for some time. And I, I'm pretty sure that that has been done to death. Maybe at this stage. Um, I think I think as as well. Um, if you if you look at but traditionally, a lot of their scores come from deep. Paddy yeah. Durkin, Paddy Durkin sprinting ahead of the ball. Lee Keegan, his whole career, he's done man marking, but he's burst up the field. Um, Ushing Mullen, well, he's not a score, he gets them up the field, and that's almost what they have to do. Because in terms of can they play traditional, um, kick the ball into the forward line now that Andy Moore? Well, no, they can't. You almost have to plan and, and have all of your scores coming from coming from runs from deep. That score, that one game against Armagh, that clip, I'm sure um, a lot of the viewers would have saw it as well. That classic AO, how they how they attack, they get behind the ball and then they just slingshot up the field, and, and that was probably the best example. And they missed the leg of a Durkin 
Um, be in there, even though he, he starts in defence, he's an attacking weapon for them. We know that. So I, I feel that's the way that I would probably go about it if I was there, rather than trying to invent some intricate forward play. You see the likes of Gary Roscommon and Galway who are very good at that. I, I think uh, it's and, in- and that's why they're stuck, Paul, at, at yeah. you know, 11, 10, 11, 12. You know, like like a huge score for me it was 16 points, like, you know. And if if you think about it, they're probably their two massive wins over the last decades are two semi-final wins over Dublin, one back in 2012 and the other in, in 2021. And on both those occasions, they kicked an unbelievable number of points from between 40 and 50 yards, kind of like really tremendous kicking. But it's a high wire act when that's when that's what you're relying on. They never they never really seem to be able to, to, to accumulate big scores against big teams by kind of getting run-of-the-mill points. It's always hugely impressive scores. If we can move quickly to Division 3, the story of Limerick, Limerick are on the rise. Limerick are playing next weekend against Fermanagh at home, and if they win, they're promoted to Division 2. They will most likely be, jo- <laughs> be joined or, excuse me, by Louth, who um, are, are playing Wicklow away next weekend, and they go there. That's an incredible achievement for, Lim- for Limerick. And at the other end, there's another big game, other end of that table, there's another big game between Leash and Longford. Now, Leash won the O'Byrne Cup this year. There were great scenes when they beat Dublin, and now they're facing Longford in a what a really tricky match. And if they lose that, they're back down to Division 4. This league, again, really fickle, really difficult for teams, Oshin. Yeah, <clears throat> probably if you check through your notes, I'll probably call all of those things um, <laughs> for the league, league start. No, I think the thing about uh, about that division is that it probably has had more turns than 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 any of the rest of them, and I think what we've seen, like what we've seen for a number of those teams, is that they have got to their best team eventually. If you know what I mean, in that, like in particular, like Lowe's, because obviously we know quite a bit about them, but. I think from the team that played the first day against Leash to the team that played yesterday, I think they possibly had eight or nine different players. Do you know what I mean? That's that started the game. Obviously, they've changed their keeper into, you know, Marty's talking about the evolution. I mean, the James Califin there now, uh, who in his previous life was a was a, a a midfielder. He he caught the ball, the last ball against Limerick. Limerick, uh, that's middle, right. Uh, in the middle of the field and, and got it into Sam Murray who got a score. So uh, the obviously Sam is obviously, you know, he, he's quality and he'll get a he get gets a huge amount of applaudits. Um I've been I've been impressed about how they have gone about sorting out their uh their defensive structure from the first game when you when they conceded really poor um really poor goals straight in over the top. Um I've been impressed about how they've gone about uh sorting that out. But as a division, I mean Limerick. Limerick are, are as much as Louth are obviously a story. Like Limerick are, are the story, I think. You know of the league and in the fact that um, they, they have been able to progress to a level that I didn't see was there. To be honest, they um, were. So I've seen Limerick a bit, and Limerick are young, raw, athletic, and developing. I'm not sure what the ceiling is, but they're developing really, really quickly. I saw them last year in Tullamore when when they were beaten, and they were they were they were quite good. Still, they should have beaten Tip when Tip won the Munster Championship, 
and it's a credit to what's going on there again in 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 the Limerick setup that they're developing more players and more coming through, and it's a really good chance for them now. And um, but and then if you go back down to Division Four. I mean, what what a crazy weekend that was as well. And credit to the Tipperary footballers who now look like they've turned it around. But the game that struck stood out for me was Sligo and Watford. Watford finishing with eleven players, three um, three reds and a black, and they finished with uh, they finished with eleven. Sligo themselves had a player sent off and held on to win by a point. Um, Ushin, were you talking to Tony about this? No, and I won't be. I'd say he'd be. Uh, I'd say he'd be quite angry about the way that that they have flip flopped as far as um, there doesn't seem to have been any major consistency with what they've been able to do. They've racked up some unbelievable scores. They've dished out a couple of hammerings. They've lost probably the Tipperary game when they possibly should have won it, and that that might just cost them in the end. Although it looks like it. <sighs> I know you said this two weeks in a row, but I keep saying that there could be one more twist there. Um, you, but but for the, for the only way a twist can happen will be if Walford go to Breffney and beat Cavan, or if London go to Semple Stadium and beat Tipperary. Well, I, got, I would I would think that there's more of a possibility of London going to Tipperary and winning. Can't see it. I know you can't see it, but like we we will have to we will have to wait until next week. Like you know we won't. We can't look into the future, so but I do think that that London will cause temporary a lot of problems. Marty, we can't. We we we're not going to finish without asking you um once one 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 simple quick question: Who's going to win the All Ireland? Oh, um, it's it's going. It's such a brilliant year. I still think Kerry. So I'll, I'll go with that. But what a year we're going to have. Oshin, have you changed your mind? I can't remember who I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said you had huge Sorry. doubts about Kerry. Have they have they answered your questions for you? They, they're, they're passing. Let's just say that every, with every week that goes by, they're passing every test. But there's the tests will come further down the lane. And I know that's that's being very unkind. But so no, no. I, I will say that all the tests, all the uh, tests that have been put to them so far, and I thought um, when it got. Um, physical yesterday, they were able to stand up and uh, and be counted yesterday. And I think that's a little bit of a break from what has gone on before. So yeah, they're they're, they're passing every single test as they go. I can't wait for the la- next weekend's round of fixtures. It's 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 hugely exciting. Thank you to Larry Ryan for running this podcast, to Raf Rocca, to Jack Neville, to Tony Lee, and to everyone at Examiner Sport. A huge thanks to Ushin and especially to to Marty Clark for for joining us today. We'll be back soon. Alliance supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.